I've got a problem. There are aspects of my personality that I can't control. See you shrink. It's a little bit more complicated than that. Bruce, trust me when I tell you I've heard them all. Not this one. I'm Griffin. I'm Molly. And we're going into the Superverse! Hello everybody and welcome back to Into the Superverse! Thanks for joining. We are here to talk about the one, the only, 2008 The Incredible Hulk. Well, the the second and the second. Starring Edward Norton. The 2008 <laughs> version. Yes, yes. Not the Avengers version, not the 2003. It's, it's an odd one. It's incredible, you could say. It, it sure is. It sure could be described that way. Well, we're just going to kind of run through what we thought. We just watched it, so it's fresh. Um, Yeah, it just ended a couple minutes ago. We have watched this one time before, but it was about five years ago. I had seen it before that. Oh, okay. So (laughs) I just have an interesting experience with it in that in our Iron Man episode, I talked about how I saw Iron Man in theaters, and I've been a big MCU fan since then. But there were two that I never got around to seeing, and those were Hulk and Iron Man 2. But those are like the two best films. The most important. Everyone points to those as such. You can't see Endgame without having seen Hulk and Iron Man 2. I mean, you You... can't see Endgame without seeing Thor 2, so. Well, if if there comes a day when Iron Man 2 and the Incredible Hulk are required viewing for the MCU, I can't wait. We'll be ready now. The Incredible Hulk isn't even required viewing for Avengers. It's not. Not at all. But and we had fun. We did have fun. I want to say the, the early Marvel like style bleeds through with a choice of director for this movie because it was like an odd choice. It's this French guy, uh, Louis Leterrier. Let's, let's say that's his name. And before this, he had done work on the transporter movies with Jason Statham. And after this went on to do clash of the Titans. And now you see me. Oh, how so fun. He's just, he's all over the place. And we actually talked about this during the movie, but a while ago, uh, three years ago, I guess, Marvel did a 10th anniversary photo shoot for Marvel Studios that had a bunch of directors, producers, and actors all in one place. And the director of the Hulk was way off to the side and looking at it, you know, I was looking through being like, okay, like I know just about everybody in this picture. And then I saw him and I was like, who the hell is that? And I thought it was nice that they, they called him back. They included him in the gang. I thought that it it kind of reminded me of trying to be like a Mission Impossible movie, especially in the beginning um, when like there's that big chase scene um, through, I don't know, somewhere in Brazil. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think... 
there's like a a mix of very very mid 2000s comic book movie tropes and kind of just a general 2000s action movie vibe. Yeah, the last like quarter of the movie felt like a very different movie than the first part. Yeah. And the foot chase through the favela in Brazil. I I know what you're saying. That gave me like like Fast and the Furious vibes. Before we like really get into it, all I could think about when we were starting it was like this movie came out months after Iron Man. So it just made me think like, of course, Iron Man remains one of the most celebrated comic book movies. No one is really talking about Hulk. And it just it must have been worse for them that people had this like fresh new take on a Marvel character that they had just watched and they went into this. And I wonder if or how much they publicized the connection between the two. Well, they have Robert Downey Jr. at the end. Yeah. So enough. Yeah. I, I, it almost felt like Green Lantern vibes, like at the end, like very kind of corny superhero like oh no our science experiment went wrong like that's exactly what it felt like yeah and not as funny <laughs> it's that's like the old school way of doing it you yeah know, it's like the the toby Maguire spider-man movies is so all these scientists and like things going wrong in labs right it's classic so first off the the obviously main difference between this and later mcu hulk representations is edward norton oh is he not the same one yeah no i don't know if you know this but he didn't come back oh is that that sweetheart mark ruffalo instead yes so i do think most people if not all people are on board with mark ruffalo as hulk you know he's been around for now almost 10 years as bruce banner and hulk and people really love him i will say very different Hulk. Yes. Very different Bruce Banner. Right. And I think Same Hulk. <laughs> I I don't like Edward Norton more than Mark Ruffalo, of course. Like I love Mark Ruffalo, but I do respect like his take on the character. And it makes me think like I don't think this movie would work with Mark Ruffalo playing the lead character. Definitely not. It's the vibe fits with how Edward Norton was playing him. Yes, and I think Edward Norton would clash in a different way with the Avengers. Like, he would be too much like Tony Stark if he was one of the Avengers. Like, I think one of the things that Mark Ruffalo does really well is brings this um, nuanced and softer Bruce Banner uh, to that group. And we also see uh, Mark Ruffalo's Bruce Banner as more of a scientist than we see ed norton like we don't see ed norton doing any science save for like that one little part with the flowers right and that's really pushing it yeah like he's an action movie starring this not a scientist so in that respect i do really like the mark ruffalo version better yeah and it makes me think if in an alternate universe they had done a hulk origin movie with mark ruffalo what would the vibe of that movie have been like? Would we have seen 
the origin scene of the Hulk? Would that have been played out more? More like laboratory business? I just don't see this whole like on the run in South America thing happening. Exactly. Like, why would Bruce Banner, whether it's the Ed Norton one or not, know how to be on the run? Like, it kind of doesn't make any sense, but... That, that's actually one of my first notes is to talk about how they start this movie where they just kind of breeze past him becoming Hulk. And so technically this isn't really an origin story. Like we're already in it. Like it's not about him becoming the Hulk. So I do think a Mark Ruffalo Bruce Hulk story would have been more a becoming of kind of like we see how Doc Ock becomes Doc Ock in the second Spider-Man, something like that. Yeah, I actually had a note, too, saying that it was an interesting move to put all the origin stuff in the opening credits. Do you think that was more because people tend to know that really Hulk's origin story whittles down to he was exposed to gamma radiation and turned green? Do you think it was more because of that or because Ang Lee's Hulk had come out just five years before and the studio is like, I think we can trust people to get this story without having to see it again. I think definitely the latter that they assumed people saw the 2003 Hulk or at least knew of it and wanted to make something new, like didn't want to do the same story. Kind of like the Tom Holland Spider-Man's yeah, just, I was just skipping thinking, over all that. Uh, how many more times do we have to see Uncle Ben die in order to understand Spider-Man? The answer is none. None more times. Uh, So the whole opening scene, I kind of feel like the soda factory is a bit (laughs) of a contrived plot device for Ross to be able to figure out where he is. And though I enjoyed it, the scene where Banner's blood falls into the soda bottle is like very quintessential cgi effects of that time you've got like this weird shiny little blood drop and you follow it in slow-mo as it's just tumbling down yeah is it is his blood like contagious what happened to stanley when he drank stanley it? is definitely dead <laughs> that is that old man's heart could not handle hulk blood but so like if you just touch it what would happen i think if you if you were to touch it, it would be okay. But it's like you ingest it and, and it then, starts to mess with your cells. At the very end, we saw Stern get hit with it and he had an open wound. Mm-hmm. Okay. And of course, like they never really explain what that reaction is because it seems like it works differently for different people. Yeah. The, so. the whole blood thing doesn't ever really come back in the, in the rest of the MCU with Hulk. Yeah. Most stuff introduced with the Hulk doesn't come back because we don't have a movie about the Hulk. Yeah. Which, obviously, there are reasons for that, but we are excited to see more of... Hopefully, we can get some of these characters, but just generally Hulk's story in She-Hulk. I don't think anyone's really talking about how um, General Ross... Uh, is really the the linchpin of the MCU. And he is showing up in so many movies. I had no idea that his first movie was this one. I forgot about him, honestly. 
Yeah, and and so, he's the worst. He is the worst, which I haven't forgotten. He really is, and they. Well, the interesting thing is, so this movie comes out and Ross plays a very important role in it. Eight years later, they decide we're going to bring back Ross for Captain America Civil War. I'm assuming. Is he not in it before then? Mm-mm. That's his first yeah. re-entrance. Eight, eight years later, he comes back. And to me, that's like kind of like an olive branch being like, OK, we are going to just acknowledge this movie again and that it's part of the MCU. They bring him back, but they kind of have a convenient out because there's no Hulk in that movie. But we never get, like, the anti-Hulk vendetta again. But, like, if you are following along, it's kind of written between the lines that he is such a proponent of this Sokovian agreement because... Of what he, what his mistakes were. But my main question is, how does this man still have a job? How did he come back from this? And is Tony Stark the one that made sure he kept his job at the end? Because he's like, you know what? I think we can work together. He he definitely failed upwards from whatever his role was in this up to Secretary of State. So I did have a note. We were talking about this during the movie. Um, We're jumping a bit here, but we're not really going through in chronological order. At the end of this, we get a post credit scene that is, in fact, pre-credits, which is crazy, which has Tony Stark going to Ross's bar and talking to him about, about the Avengers project. And that uh, jogged my memory a bit, so... I believe there was a comic or another sort of tie-in that talked about it. And in the Avengers, we see the World Security Council, who are the ones kind of calling the shots. And eventually they go against their orders. They're trying to nuke New York. Not very nice of them. But they wanted Blonsky to be on the team. They were going to rehabilitate his image after he loses the fight to the Hulk and bring him back. They wanted him on what team? The Avengers? Yes. They wanted him on the Avengers. But uh, after they find out more about his backstory and history a bit, um, Stark and Phil Coulson and a couple other people are like, this is a bad idea. So why not get the other guy? (laughs) The other guy. (laughs) Uh, I didn't mean to do that. (laughs) Well, I I mean, that kind of makes sense because... Aren't they essentially trying to recreate Captain America with this whole super soldier thing? I mean, there's even a reference to it from Tony Stark. We put that project on ice. Uh, So it makes sense that they think that Blonsky could be their their new Captain America, I guess. Yeah, they just kind of hope they can whitewash everything that happened in this movie. And then um, even Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. mentions abomination as they call him a couple more times just saying that he's locked away in a a jail cell in alaska or something they reference Blonsky. yeah in which movie in agents of shield oh oh, oh. yeah well is this serum or this gamma whatever happened to bruce is it like some of the same ingredients essentially that created captain america was that also gamma or is this a, com- a completely different 
thing? It's a good question. We never see Captain America's serum from the science side. We they have, don't. We use have no words idea. Like gamma. Or anything. I don't think so. I think I mean, they would have if that was. If they wanted to make the connection deliberate, would have come up. Yeah, I mean, we'll see when we watch it again. But I oh, don't. I don't think so they do. So excited! Captain America's my favorite movie. It's a, it's a classic. But yeah, I mean, the connection is implied, but. I don't think we ever get anything more explicit than what they say in this movie. You pointed out a great cameo in this movie, which I wouldn't have known. There's a security guard at the campus. Yeah, and he's played by Lou Ferrigno, who played Hulk back in the 70s. Really cool that they got him to come back. In a TV show. Yeah. Love that little bit. And then later in that scene, we see... um, Martin Starr pops up eating a piece of pizza and he comes back as Peter Parker's teacher in the Spider-Man movies. We've also been watching Party Down and he's in that, which is very funny. Honestly, the whole, like, I can find a way to make all of his appearances in these separate shows work in my head as one character. And I think... Even though I don't know if it's ever been officially confirmed by anybody, but either Martin Starr himself or the director of the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies has said that he thinks his character in the Hulk is the same as his other appearances in the MCU, at least. Checks out, becomes a science teacher after the traumatic incident at Culver College. Okay, I want to spend some time talking about uh, Betty and what would have or could have happened with her if she had stuck around, I guess. Yeah, sure. Kind of those implications. So when we meet Bruce in Avengers, he's in like Nepal or something and presumably has no love interest, ends up having this thing with Black Widow. And is there even a subtle mention that he had this like one true love of his life? I don't think so. I have a feeling, and this is complete, I have no source for this, but when Avengers came out, it must have been a lot of studio drama figuring out who was going to play the Hulk after Edward Norton left. So when they recast him, either by choice of the director or the writers of the studio, they were like, guys, it's got to be like a fresh start because we don't want people going back to this movie to get more information on this character. But we want like, it to be included right. in the MCU for unknown so, reasons. I definitely would have preferred them to be a bit more open with the fact that like all of this happened. They, there's one line in Avengers that acknowledges that anything happened. In right, here. they say like, you know, whatever happened in New York. It, I think Bruce Banner is like, last time I was in New York, I broke Harlem. Yeah. And that's not even like... That's the kind of thing where if the one Incredible Hulk fan on this planet is like, oh, my God, I get that reference. And if for everybody else, it's just like flavor text, you know, it's there, but yeah. it doesn't really matter. I mean, people got it because they know that the Hulk smashed a couple of things. I, I do. Didn't, didn't smash Betty, though. Well, that's what I was going to say. I think. <laughs> oh, wow. OK, I think if. Honestly, I think if she had died in this movie, it would have fit in more with the rest of the MCU because it would have understood or it would have like explained more why 
he was so much more sheltered and like just didn't want anything to do with it and why he was so resistant to like falling in love again because of what had happened like I think it would have just explained more of Bruce Banner's trauma that not that he needed more but it would have been a little bit more tragic I guess yeah and said they kind of just acted like she did die <laughs> and then never mention her again poor Liv Tyler maybe she'll come back oh we can only hope but uh yes Hulk is definitely an incel <laughs> can I just say this well he's working on controlling Banner, it if we are to believe that the 200 beats per minute is a hard cutoff point for Banner. He has not done the deed in 17 years in Marvel Studios timeline. Is that normal for your heart rate to go up that much? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I have a feeling that like if they were going to do more of these movies, someone was going to look back and be like, guys, we can't do this anymore. Something is not making sense here. Not to keep comparing, but we will, um, between <laughs> Mark Ruffalo and Ed Norton. I do think that we have to keep in mind the year is 2008, Eight. and technology and CGI is not what it was in even just 2012, and they did a pretty good job with the Hulk itself, or himself, but he doesn't look anything like Ed Norton. I think that they did a good job in Avengers of making the Hulk kind of resemble Mark Ruffalo. I mean, they used his face, which probably sucked for Mark Ruffalo having to have all those like pins yeah. or whatever on his face. Uh, but I that was just another difference that I was like, I don't really like that you can't see Ed Norton in this yeah. Hulk. I do wonder like how much they even tried or if that technology was really there in 2008, at least on... Whatever budget they were shooting this on. And, I mean, I know we haven't gotten there. We're about to talk about, like, the two big battles, I think. But the last one, the one in Harlem, it wasn't that... To me, it wasn't as good of a fight because it just felt like two cartoon characters in almost like a video game or a cartoon movie tussling around because they were both so CGI'd uh, and it wasn't very realistic looking, which, again... Not the fault of the movie, but it just kind of took me out of it watching it. Very video gamey, and it does merit comparison to the Culver University scene, in which I thought much better fight scene. Really cool because we don't see another human being ever stand up to Hulk again like that. Like Blonsky is slightly enhanced at that point, but is on foot with a gun not putting any hurt on Hulk but standing his ground are you saying it's other than the Avengers because Tony Hawk Tony Hawk <laughs> Tony Hawk is in these My movies God. Uh, Tony Stark and the Hulk go at it yeah but I mean like even then and he has Thor. like his suit yeah but like Blonsky is just, just like Mostly a regular dude. He can run kind of fast in that scene. That's what we get from him. He has fast reading. And then he gets his bones liquefied. But... Well, and I guess uh, Black Widow does a little bit. <laughs> yeah. She goes up against him. Yeah. Uh, the only other real note that I have on Blonsky, besides the fact that I like how Tim Roth plays him in the beginning, being like a little, uh, I don't know what word I'm thinking of. Like, um, I should have written that down. 
Overzealous. Well, overzealous and kind of in awe of the Hulk. Oh, yeah. Being like, kind what the hell is this? Which I, I appreciate. Because he really could have played him as just like an overconfident tough guy. But at the beginning, he is spooked. Um, I really like that actor. Yeah. And uh, I just had to say that if you need to make sure that the audience knows that a character is a bad guy, just have him shoot a dog. Oh, yeah. Twice. I think the second one was a trank, but not great. <laughs> Tim Roth shot two dogs in five minutes. I don't think minutes. that second dog was still making it out of there. Pretty rough. So we started talking about the Culver City one. I don't, or the Culver College fight. I don't know if there's anything else to say other than that's like the big climax of the movie. And it's, there's still like an hour left after it. Yeah. And the second fight's just not as good in my opinion. When I think about this movie and what the Hulk does in this movie, I go to that scene because it's really just like gives you the, the heart of the Hulk is that you have like a literal army of people coming in to fight him and he just mows them down like it's nothing. And after all these other movies that he's been featured in, I still think the part where he kicks Blonsky, basically what is a love tap for Hulk kicks him at like 50 miles per hour into a tree and almost kills him. And everyone's just like standing there with their mouths agape. I think that's just really Puts drives home. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It kind of reminds me of the scene in, not a movie, but the <laughs> Spider-Man video game where he's fighting the two, the Vulture and somebody else. He's fighting Vulture and Electro. In the school campus. Oh, for sure. And I feel like that's like a... I don't know why. Maybe it's just reading a lot of Spider-Man comics where he's getting into fights like on his like high school campus and college campus. But that's like a, a quintessential like comic book and like a early superhero thing is for some reason you're at a school and someone someone steps onto your turf. It makes sense. There's a lot of open space to be able to have a good fight. It's a good arena. We get a very subtle shield mention. Yeah. Well, they don't even actually say it out loud. You just keep seeing the logo when on they're, the, the computers. When they're trying to figure out who Mr. Blue is. Which does that mean that General Ross is already in shield or they're just working together? Like, I know he's like part of the military, but how I does that all work? Th I think they're just supposed to be working together. I don't think... They ever say he's part of S.H.I.E.L.D., but presumably, like, as another federal agency, they would have their records available to them if they needed it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like I was saying earlier, you know, how much they had publicized the connection between these two movies. I'm just imagining someone that likes superheroes and they go to see this movie not knowing because at the time the Marvel Cinematic Universe was not a thing. There was one movie in it. And it had come out a couple months before this and seeing that shield thing and being like, oh, holy shit. <laughs> like, is this in the same this universe? Happening? Yeah. Which must have been really cool. I don't think people would have been like upset seeing this after Iron Man because this is in step with, like we said earlier, Tobey Maguire movies, things like that. But I wonder if this had come out a year later. So Iron Man had already come out. 
and it knew how popular it was, how different they would have done the Incredible Hulk in light of Iron Man. Because it seems like they were probably filming them around the same time and, and completely separate. Like, they weren't aware yeah. of what the other one was doing other than that final uh, scene with Stark and Ross. I think they definitely would have had to regroup a little bit and see how they could play it up. Maybe they would have added Coulson into this one. Yeah, that Make, would have made sense. And they probably would have made the other connections a bit more explicit. It's also kind of unusual that this movie played down a sequel so much they didn't really show more of Stern at the end, like, becoming something. They just did that one very short scene before the final fight of him getting the droplets of blood in him. Yeah. And that was it. What happened? They were like, guys, we are not going to sequel bait at all costs. So that, I did have a note about that, and it just makes me wonder, like, there are so many side characters in this movie. The only one that we have a confirmed return of is Blonsky. He's supposed to be coming back for She-Hulk. And I think that even though these characters have not been around for a decade plus, there's a lot of is, story. Wait, is Ross still alive? Yes. So he's he might come back. Yes, my bad. Yes. Well, I don't know if he's confirmed, but... He is. Oh. Um, there are a lot of side characters from this movie that have the potential to have more stories told if they're brought back. So right now we have Blonsky who is confirmed to come back for She-Hulk and Ross who has been back a couple times and is now coming back in Black Widow. Oh, right. I don't know what the extent of his story is, but obviously Stearns, AKA the leader, I think he's known as in the comics is a big Hulk villain, and I still see people mention his character's name if I see, like, tweets or a Reddit thread about loose ends of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I like Tim Blake Nelson. I think they could have him come back. And I actually do think, because She-Hulk is supposed to be a comedy, kind of, like a half-hour comedy, that character would play well in a comedy, because Tim Blake Nelson is funny. Yes, so if they were like, we want to bring him back, we don't want to have him be like this huge, like apocalyptic villain, but just like have him show up and just cause trouble. He feels like a Spider-Man villain. Yeah. Like, In the best way possible. Yeah. Like, I'm not that familiar with Hulk or like Hulk comics or anything, but I think he would be a good addition in a, in a manner like that. My biggest loose end from this film, and I think the greatest plot hole, was that they did make... An antidote, even if it was just for, like, a one-off, like, you just use it when you transform, why did they not keep that? What? Like, they made it, and it worked, and then they just never mentioned again that there is a way to um, bring him back from Hulk. (laughs) Is no one else asking these questions? No. Kevin Feige is like, please shut up. We don't want to talk about this. It is like wild that the implications of that happening are just just gone. Presumably, if they had done a sequel, maybe Samuel Stearns might have had something to do with it not resurfacing. I think that they could have explained it away with um, just saying that the Hulk himself, like, created, um... Like, like, antibodies? Yeah, like, he fought off this... After, if you use it too many times, he, like, learns to 
um, overpower it or, sure. or whatever. But they, they just never do anything with it. And it's like, you, even if you don't use it very often, just to know, like, for instance, when they're flying 30,000 feet above the air in a, in a jet plane, maybe they should have that instead of that um, <laughs> really bad jail cell that they have. Yes. <laughs> or a Hulkbuster. Yeah. Tony. Tony. <laughs> bad Tony. I think that was all of my notes. Um, I know we have a couple of things, like more like fun things to, to talk about. Um, okay. My only other note before we get into some other discussion points is that once again, as we will see many times in the future, we see the classic MCU disguise, which <laughs> is literally nothing <laughs> Except a plain baseball hat. <laughs> Maybe making out with someone optional. It's just... Can't get the heart rate up too much. It's so good. And of course, in it's either in the first or second Ant-Man. Somebody, I'm assuming it's Paul Rudd, tries to wear that as a disguise. And someone is like, oh, this yes. is not a disguise. You just look like yourself at a baseball game. <laughs> yes. That was amazing call out. I'm like, no one had the guts to tell this to Captain America when he told everybody to use this disguise. It also didn't work for Cap. He's like, trust me, guys, this worked back in 1945. <laughs> All right. Well, we should um, talk about which character you would want to be from the super movie and what was our favorite or like most badass scene from the movie. Okay. Let me think about my. I know my that scene. I'd want to be. Yeah, I know the scene. I think I, I do too. Okay. So you go for favorite scene. Yes. <clears throat> we have already talked about it before, but my favorite scene in this movie is the Culver University fight. I think it's the most fun Hulk action we get. All the characters, or most of the major characters anyway, are there, and they're all witnessing Banner turning into Hulk and the absolute chaos that erupts from that. And I just love seeing like how the tides turn. They keep bringing in these Humvees that <laughs> come flying out of the bushes at a hundred miles per hour. And even when they bring out stuff like the sound cannons, which were smart, it's not enough. Um, my favorite scene, I think was the chase at the beginning. So movie kind of peaked for me about 20 minutes <laughs> in. Um, but that scene and then going into that first transformation where you don't really see it happen, yeah. I think was really a good way to introduce the whole movie. Um, but was was kind of the top for me. They did a really good job of like really slowly bringing in a full view of the Hulk in that whole that whole scene. Is like you see him grabbing somebody from the darkness. It looks like he was eating somebody. someone like in Jaws. Yeah. And then you don't see his face until Blonsky sees it at the end. And I thought that was really cool. Especially if you didn't really know that much about the Hulk going into this movie. Because you don't get the prelude. Uh, you get the newspaper articles yeah. and the short little scenes. but Because they, they fell off doing it after Avengers 2. But like when... The Hulk is, like, unbridled. It is horrific. And they, they really play it up in this, and I always think they when that happens, it's it's for the best. Well, I think him learning to control it might be Well, I mean, 
cinematically. <laughs> like when he goes out of control in Avengers and yeah. breaks everything, it's really, really good to watch. I don't know if I have a character from this that I want to be nobody. It is a very hard question, and I don't want to cop out and say the same thing, but like, there's no one in this who is like in an enviable position. Tony this Stark. World sucks. Tony Stark. Okay. <laughs> He's literally the only one. I'll be Stanley going out with a bang with that soda. Yeah. <laughs> his heart his heart explodes. All right. So I think it might be fun to since we were doing so many comparisons to do some head to heads. Alright. So let's first first head to head. So who do you think would win in a fight? That's what I mean by head to head. Um Mark Ruffalo Hulk, Ed Norton Hulk. Oh, there's a lot to consider here. Now, it might have just been the way it was shot, but I feel like the Ed Norton Hulk is larger. Well, I will say this. Like, my gut was to say Ed Norton, and I still, I think I would stick with that because he fights more savagely against, like, another Hulk-like being. We don't see Mark Ruffalo's Hulk do that. Yeah. But they definitely did make Hulk smaller as the Avengers movies went on. Like, he was, like, supposed to be huge, and then in Infinity War, he's as tall as Thanos. Well, Thanos is supposed to be Yeah, but, bigger. like, it still feels like yeah. it, originally he would have towered over him by a couple feet. Now, Hulk in Thor Ragnarok, I think he could... Oh, like, he he's was, getting kind of lazy. He was, he was going hard when he had to fight, but, yeah, it doesn't... I don't know. The, the energy's not all there. This Hulk was just, like ruthless yeah um okay should we do head to head with another i mean hulk actually fights a lot of people so we get to see that but if we did like what hulk about? versus oh. like scarlet witch but i guess we actually see that a little bit yeah i mean i don't it is really hard to have anyone have a decent matchup against the hulk oh i think scarlet witch could beat them yeah yes like well, is this like we, a we see her control him for a, for a moment, and then I think he fights it off back yeah. in Avengers 2, right? Yes. Well, no, she does control him, and then he yeah. goes on that rampage through the city. If she could not... Oh. Don't take away any of her powers. What am I even doing? No, of course <laughs> she would win. There's no way he could win. Like, for everything that he could do to break through her control, there's something else that she would have that would... Yeah. That would stop him. For some reason, you said it first, and I thought Black Widow, and I was like, I don't think so. Oh, yeah, no. Sorry, Scarlet Witch. No, you didn't say Black Widow. Oh, okay. I just heard Black Widow, and I was we like... We just came off WandaVision not that long ago. Um, How about superhuman, not abomination, Blonsky versus Winter Soldier? <laughs> Both subjects of a... Winter Soldier. Of a bastardized... Winter Super Soldier serum. every day. Yeah. I mean, he's a trained assassin. I just think it would be a fun fight to watch, provided it wouldn't be a total wash in Bucky's favor, which it probably would be. Do we see um, Bucky go up against Hulk? <sighs> no, they never They never fight. They're only in, Aren't they in Civil Infinity War? War and Endgame. Hulk's not in Civil War. Oh. So we don't see that. Is, it, is he in Winter Soldier? Mm-mm. Oh. But. What's the one when Hulk goes off in his plane? 
that's Avengers 2. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then we don't see him again, so... we I don't think we ever see those characters interact, let alone fight. Well, who do you think would win? Hulk. But it would be a I good mean, fight. It would be a good fight, but at the end of the day, all Bucky can do is throw punches, maybe use some guns, and those aren't going to get you anywhere yeah. when your enemy can't be tired out. That's a good point. Okay, and then what about... A movie mashup. So we already get to see this with Thor Ragnarok, which is kind of the craziest mashup seeing Hulk in Thor world. Yeah. Um, But is there another like great mashup where you could see Hulk in another, um, you know, universe that we see? Hmm. I mean, he would obviously fit in great with the uh, uh, Gal- uh, Guardians group. Yes. Like the Hulk that we see in um, Thor Ragnarok or even the weird Hulk that we get at the end of Endgame. But... Yeah, that was my gut instinct too just because the atmosphere of Thor Ragnarok is so similar to that of exactly, Guardians. Yeah. I don't know about the other ones. Well, it's cheating, but I don't really have a good one, but I am excited to see Hulk in the She-Hulk universe. Wow. Which is going to be it's like a low-key thing. Yes, of course. But um, <laughs> A low-key thing or a low-key thing? Maybe both. I can see him in Loki. That would actually be very fun if somehow in that well, scene in Endgame, they, they roped him into this time travel bullshittery and he got stuck there. Just to fuck with Jumping uh, around Loki. with Loki and pissing him off the entire time. And I guess we saw Bruce Banner interact with uh, Doctor Strange World. And yep. that was cool. Yeah, with the Ancient One. So, I mean, even though Mark Ruffalo's Hulk doesn't get his own movie, he does get to interact with all these different characters and stuff. It kind of gives him that freedom in some ways. I guess they're trying to make up for it by being like, how many different people can he talk to in this movie or across these movies? Because he's not going to get his own. What's the next best thing? Well, I think that's been an incredible conversation about the Incredible Hulk. Classic. Yeah, this was an enjoyable watch through. And it is one of the least talked about movies of the MCU. I don't think it's going to be... we get it. We get why. (laughs) No one... Or, you know, I don't want to make assumptions, but most people probably wouldn't call this their favorite. But it's still, it's not a bad watch. It's pretty enjoyable. Uh, So we'll keep um, slugging through the MCU, um, interspersed with some other other films. Yeah, MCU-wise, Iron Man 2 is coming up next. Outside the MCU, who knows? Who knows? Well, thanks for joining. And until next time, we've been into the Superverse. Superverse.